Okay, Jalen Hurts coming off a second-place finish in the MVP vote. Now, remember, the Eagles, they went all the way to the Super Bowl. They had a fantastic season, and Jalen Hurts led the way. But reports say Philly Field, he can make another major jump, adding they believe he can, quote, be one of those elite precision type of pocket passers. Now, y'all should know at home, I played for the Eagles. Shady played for the Eagles. So I spend far too much time, I would go as far as to say, watching the Eagles, studying the Eagles. Joy, I was thinking about this. To me, there is too much pressure on Jalen Hurts going into the season. I think the expectations are too high. I was a college football analyst before the NFL, and I remember Jalen Hurts, first quarterback at Alabama to start as a freshman in over 30 years. No expectations as a freshman. He was, I believe, the second player in Alabama history to win SEC Player of the Year as a freshman, Offensive Player of the Year. Then he had expectations going into that sophomore year, if you all recall. He was benched in the national championship game. Tua Tungavailoa comes in, looks off, hits Devontae Smith, touchdown, they beat Georgia. Then that next year, once again, Tua stays as a starter. He transfers after that, no expectations. Goes to Oklahoma and finishes second in the Heisman, only to Joe Burrow. Joe Burrow went 15-0 in LSU. Fast forward, National Football League. He's drafted in the second round. No expectations. He was inactive week one, y'all. Inactive. He ends up starting the back half of that season. I believe the Eagles won a couple games down the stretch with him as a starter. Wins his first start against the New Orleans Saints. Second year, no expectations, right? Because he was a Wildcat quarterback. Did okay, 9-7. Third year, truly, now the expectations are A. If you're no good, we got a first-round pick for Carson Wentz because of you. So truth be told, whether you're good or bad, we don't really care because we got two first-round picks. Thanks for what you've already done. Mm. But then he was a second-team All-Pro. Joy, the expectations for Jalen Hurts are not only as high as they've been in the National Football League for any other player, but they're as high as they've ever been for him. And when I look at Jalen Hurts, he is a silent assassin. He does his damage when nobody thinks anything of him. He is greater than you could ever imagine. Are the expectations too high for Hertz going into this monumental season? Well, trees don't grow to the sky. They don't. But to whom much is given, much is required. That's very true. And you're only an underdog until you're not. <laughs> so let me just put all those cliches in the Give me my opinion. No, I don't think the expectations are too high because he was paid a lot of money. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He was given the franchise. He is the face of the franchise. He's the future of the franchise. He is the quarterback for the Philadelphia Eagles. Yeah. Signed. This is your job now. The expectation is delivered. But I say trees don't go to the sky because how much better could you expect him to be? Mm-hmm. A big leap to who? Patrick Mahomes? Patrick Mahomes is the only player that was better than him at his position last year. Patrick Mahomes is the best quarterback in the league. You had the second best quarterback in the league in the Philadelphia Eagles last year. So a jump to what? He was all pro, Shady. Hard to do. Hard to do. (laughs) He played in the Super Bowl and was one or two plays away from winning the Super Bowl. He was an MVP finalist. Really probably only lost the MVP because he got injured. Mm Mm-hmm. So when you say a major jump, like how much better could you possibly expect him to be? Which is why I tend to lean towards expectations are unrealistic or too much. Not because he shouldn't have expectations, but realistically, what are you talking about? How much better could he possibly be? Now that said, I expect him to be as good as he was last year. And really, that's what he's being paid to do. He was in the Super Bowl last year. That's really all you can ask. You can't win the Super Bowl unless you get there. And he has the capability of getting there and playing well enough throughout the season to take a team there. Mm. So that's a lot, 
Yes, he should have expectations. No, the expectations shouldn't be that he's better than Patrick Mahomes. Shady, nobody more equipped to have this conversation than you. Eagles all-time rushing leader. I say that casually, but it is a monumental deal. You know that organization well. Are the expectations for Hurts too high? No. I think we haven't seen Jalen Hurts get even close to his true potential, Hmm. to even touch that ceiling. And I say that, let me give you a quick story. So in 2019, I went went to the Chiefs, Mm -hmm. right? And before that, Patrick Mahomes got the MVP. Mm-hmm. I seen only highlights. I didn't really watch his game, see highlights, right? So as I start learning the playbook, I'm looking at all the old tapes. I'm like, oh, this guy's good. This guy's talented. Wow, wow, wow. But I seen some, some not flaws, but stuff he get better at. Of course. So then when I practice with him, I'm like, it's so scary how good this dude is. And people think that he's all the way up here. I'm like, yo, he has a little bit more to go. And that sounds crazy. But if you would talk to him, he would talk about different things about stepping up, mm-hmm. taking the gimmies. He's so great yeah. that he has so much even room for growth. That's why I was so scary playing with Patrick Mahomes because I'm like, yo, this guy's going to be the best player we've ever seen. I look at Jalen Hurts and I see similarities because I think Jalen Hurts is a, gr- is a really, really good player, right? He's, he's got better and better and better. And even going this year, I think he's going to be even better because, for one, he has the players around him, yeah. the coaches that believe in him. Two, all that success he had last year, imagine now this year he has a say-so in, a, in his offensive schemes. Because mm-hmm. I think last year he didn't really have a, a, a say-so. He's playing well, let's stick to the, the game plan. Mm-hmm. Now he's going to come in there and look, coach, I like this better. I feel more comfortable with this. Imagine how much confidence he's going to have going into the, the mm-hmm. offensive huddle where they all believe in you compared mm-hmm. to I had to show y'all to get the respect. I think Jalen Hurts, man, when I really watch him, he can run the ball, he can throw the ball. Now I think a matter of actually going out there, having the confidence from last year to this year, and having a lot of say-so within the offense, what he can do, what he can't do. I think I have a big year. Shady, let me me ask you a question. Um, I love talking ball with you for obvious reasons. To me, what made you... The greatest, well, one of the top three running backs of the decade. Hold on, let me, the top don't, two. Don't, don't, don't go back. Don't go back. <laughs> you said the greatest. You said the greatest. <laughs> to me, what made you so good was your consistency. Yeah. Right? Like, there were guys, Peyton Hillis, mm. great season. Yeah, right, right, right. Great yeah. season. Cover of Madden. But, like, Peyton Hillis wasn't consistent. He popped off, and then it was like, oh. But, Shady, you were consistent. I believe it's much easier to get to the top of the mountain than stay on the top of the mountain. Mm. Mm. Jalen Hurts is no longer trying to get to the top of the mountain. Now he's staying on top of the mountain. I was talking to a linebacker that Jalen Hurts faced just two weeks ago, and he was saying going into that game, we were like, we dare him to beat us. Mm-hmm. He said, and they beat the brakes off of us. But what does that mean? Y'all might laugh at home. It means this year? No, 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 no. They are prepared to stop Jalen Hurts. When teams finally knew how good LaShawn McCoy was, does it make it that much harder to continue to maintain your level of excellence? It, it makes it a lot harder, I got to be honest. From watching people watching tape on you, seeing what you don't do well, deficiencies, mm. the things you do well, okay, mm. how can we stop them? But even that part, I will focus on how can I be better? Because the same way how the other team is scouting me and Jalen Hurts, I'm self-scouting. Damn, I got to do better at this. Oh, I got to do better at this. So you, you, you practice on that. And we all know that Jalen Hurts, he's a guy that practices hard. He develops well. He gets better and better and better. Another thing I think about, about Jalen Hurts is going to make him better this year is that, like, when he comes into a game, he's the one dictating it on the offense. You see what I'm saying? Like, compared to an offensive play coming into the game, right, compared to now, I have more say-so. Got it. Patrick Mahomes. When I was with the, the, the Chiefs, he had a lot of say-so on what he wanted to do. Yeah. Compared to the year before, when he won the MVP, he didn't really say, as much, okay, we, we don't want Andy, let's do it. Mm-hmm. You get what I'm saying? So now you, it's more than just the, the player. It's like, okay, the player and then, and then the plays that's being called that he loves. Well done. Well said. Slick, take it home. You think the expectations for Jalen Hurts are too high? 
If its expectations are to repeat what he did last year or to be what he was last year, then I would say no. I can see him doing that for all the reasons that Shady pointed out in terms of who he is and how he works. What troubles me and where I would say, yes, they are too high, is this idea that he's going to become a elite precision quarterback. I think the, the, the hallmarks as a dual threat, he's a good quarterback, he's a great leader. There's a lot of intangibles there. But I don't put him in the category as a, uh, as a passer with Patrick Mahomes and Joe Burrow. And I would say Justin Herbert, but anybody wants to push back and say he hasn't demonstrated that. Because I've never seen that precision that we're talking about, that level. Um, and to Shady's point, like, guys can be good. Like Patrick Mahomes showed flashes of that. He had to tighten up some other things in order to elevate his game. But you knew he had that capability. It was just knowing when and where to use it. That's the part that I feel you're asking too much for Jalen Hurts. He can be a quarterback that takes you to the Super Bowl. I think he can be a quarterback that wins you a Super Bowl. But is he going to be Patrick Mahomes or Joe Burrow in terms of that guy who throws people open like the next Aaron Rodgers or Tom Brady? I feel as if he had that capability, we would have seen flashes of it already to this point, and I haven't. Here's what's fascinating. The Eagles don't necessarily need that. If they just get Jalen Hurts from last year, you let that slip? You let that slide? You got to go to break. You can't let that slide. I mean, did have he didn't show you no flashes in the Super Bowl. He threw threw A.J. Brown open in the corner. Looks like we're not going to break. Change your dress it then. Address it. I was all winning, so he pissed me off with that last line. You you got a little out of line. Hold on, hold on. You didn't think he he showed you no... Hey, <laughs> he ain't show you no signs or no flashes of, of throwing the ball in the pocket? The Not problem enough. is, you know what it is? It's that he's athletic, right? Yeah. And, mm-hmm. and he runs the ball and yeah. et cetera. And so to us, that's, that's not exciting. Right, Joe Burrow throws a, a, I'm serious, Joe Burrow doesn't run as well. He throws a, a, a dot, you know what I mean, a dime pass. You, you hyping it up, oh my God. But I can show you clips, if you got time, of Jalen Hurts throwing dimes. Jaylen, I'm not saying that he can't. I'm not saying that he You said can't. flashes. I'm not saying I haven't seen it consistently enough to believe that it can always be there. That is, that is, that is. I'm offended. Fair. That is more fair because I do recall clearly, well, anybody can throw. If you're in the NFL, you can throw a dot. Now, you're the third string quarterback and throw. Third string quarterback can throw some dots. I've seen quarterbacks throw for 60 yards and not throw dimes. But those same ones have thrown I've dimes. I've seen guys throw dimes but to I, other defense. I, I, here's, here's my thing is, I don't know that Jalen Hurts ever needs to be able to do that. That's what's fascinating, right? It's like, with that. Man, here's what's so, what's so interesting in sports and with quarterbacks and analysis is we don't say, man, Tom Brady on third and seven, he can't scramble for 10. We're like, mm-hmm. well, you know what? We yes. don't say, man, like Justin Herbert on third and 12, he just can't pick it up 15 with his feet. But for whatever reason, with the dual threat quarterbacks, we do inversely say, yeah, man, but I haven't been able to see him throw X, Y, or Z. Yeah. It's as if we still detract from a, run, a quarterback who can run's ability to pass, yes. but we don't detract from a quarterback who can pass his inability oh, to run. But, but, but that, talk about it. I, I, I say that all the time. I went to this whole rant about Lamar Jackson. Lamar Jackson, never, he can't throw the ball, right? That's what they've said his whole career. Lamar Jackson can't throw the ball. Yes, Lamar Jackson can throw the ball. He can throw it accurately. He just can also run. So we think firstly of them as mobile quarterbacks. Now, we also want quarterbacks to be mobile, but if you're too mobile for some reason, you get penalized for not throwing, but then we want the throwing quarterbacks to be able to pick up yards with their feet. By the way, 
Hurts had a higher completion percentage than Aaron Rodgers last that, year. That's not where I'm coming from in terms of holding it against any of these guys that they can run. I don't hold it against Patrick Mahomes that he's a mobile quarterback. I, don't, I wouldn't hold it against Russell Wilson, but it's a matter of if you're asking me which, which, which skill is more important in crucial situations, which are you going to lean on more? Yes, if you have the, the ability to get it in certain situations, that's a plus. But more often than not, you're not going to be running for 10 yards in that situation, and you have to make that play. Because I will say, Shady, here's where I am with any mobile quarterback. Here's my biggest truth. Do not be mobile to the detriment of your ability to pass. You feel me? Like, when you think about our former but, teammate, like... Okay, give me, give me, give me an example. Um, Jen Hurts is not in that category. No, exactly. Okay. But I'm saying, like, when I think about, like, Mike Vick, who is one of the most okay. tantalizing quarterbacks I've ever seen in my life, but I don't know that Vic ever had a 30 passing touchdown season. Mm. Lamar Jackson to this point. Remember last week I predicted Lamar Jackson would for the first time in his career throw for 4,000 yards. Yeah. Would you believe me if I told you the most yards Lamar has thrown for thus far in his career through five seasons is 3,100? 3,100? Mm. So my issue with mobility has never been mobility in and of itself. I just don't want you to be mobile to the detriment of passing. That's where I draw a line in the sand. I don't think Jalen Hurts is there, but I am fascinated. As great of a season as he had, 22 passing touchdowns. I am excited to see that number grow. I think nowadays you're seeing more mobile quarterbacks throw the ball, right, as if they're throwing quarterbacks or mm-hmm. pocket quarterbacks. Because even like, like you take it for Michael Vick, a lot of Michael Vick's career, right, because he was mobile, they – they did a lot of it of running. They wanted yeah. to run them. They wanted to run them about Mike. So let's not throw it. Let's run it. And I think now we're seeing the quarterback in a different light. Well, damn, even though he can run the ball extremely well, let's let him throw the ball. Mm-hmm. Think about it. Like, even Lamar Jackson. He, Mike, Lamar Jackson played under Greg Roman. I played for Greg Roman in Buffalo. He don't want to throw the ball. He want to run the ball. And if he has a quarterback, oh, my God, he's going to design so many different plays for him to run the ball. So we think about all these mobile quarterbacks I think that the, the offense of, of play calls are designed for their ability to run the ball because you don't really see that. You don't really see quarterbacks that can go out there and get 10, 12 yards right. on, their, on, on their feet. Correct. But like, like Patrick Mahomes is a mobile quarterback. It just looks different because Pat can get out there. He will, he will run around. He will get first downs. It just looks different. It's not a designed play where Michael Vick, Lamar Jackson, those quarterbacks are designed right. plays to run for him. You get what I'm saying? Right, so the offense makes it looks like, look like Come they on. only run the ball. Yeah. But also, when we talk about the numbers that mobile quarterbacks, dual threat quarterbacks put up, we, of course, mention the passing touchdowns and the passing yards as if the running touchdowns and the running mm-hmm. yards don't count. Right. So, well, yes, do you have to be able to sit in the pocket now and then and throw downfield and, and get chunk yardage accurately. Yes. But all those other running yards and all those other running touchdowns count. also count for touchdowns. It's six if you run it or if you throw it. Mm-hmm. And not everybody can run it. Yeah, they can't. I'm gonna, listen, this is what I'm going to do this season because we're going to be here together. I'm going to cut up plays of Jalen Hurts showing you flashes okay. of dots, of dons. <laughs> Bang, boom, touchdown for you. I can't, I can't <laughs> my boy. I can't wait. <laughs> Bang, boom, break. Okay, let's head to Dallas for maybe the most intriguing conversation of the day. Dak Prescott, he will have a new play caller this year, but... It's a familiar face. Head coach Mike McCarthy, remember, he won a Super Bowl while calling played for the Green Bay Packers, but he didn't call plays last year for the Cowboys, and Dak threw a career high 15 interceptions. Now, he said of the change, quote, it's new. It's refreshing. For context, 
A play caller is no small deal. Shady, you can attest to it on the offensive side, but on the defensive side, the play caller dictates the rhythm of the defense mm. or the rhythm of the offense. The play caller dictates whether or not the opposing team will be in balance, will be off balance. The play caller dictates the confidence that players have when they take the field because you got to trust that your coach is going to put you in a position to succeed every time you get in position. So a play caller is no small deal. Do you expect to see an improved Dak Prescott? I expect the turnover issues to diminish. Okay. I don't think that he Mm. is going to throw. That's the faith I'm going to give him, Shady. But if you look at his interceptions throughout his career, it's it's actually a little uncharacteristic. He kind of goes back and forth. 2016, four. 2017, he had 13. 2018, he had eight. 2019, he had 11. 2020, he had four. And then the last two years, he had 10 and then 15. So if we're following that trend, then he's going to continue to throw more. But he has has the capability of having control over the football. He can go a season without turning the ball over at the level that he did last year. And he knows it's a problem. We did the press conference last week. You know, I I, got to be better. I got to, you know, I got to show up. I got to be in the gym. He... He has the capability, and I have the faith in Dak that he's aware that that really, that really cost them this year. Absolutely. And his decision-making in the biggest moments to me is the question that I have with Dak Prescott. But I have some questions about Mike McCarthy's decision-making True. in big moments as well. So it's, it's really going to be a let me wait and see how this looks when it comes to them. I think Dak has a ceiling. But I do think that Dak has the capability of not turning the ball over. Shady, call me crazy. I think Dak Prescott will have the best year of his career this year. I'll tell you all the reasons why. Um, Dak Prescott has never thrown for 5,000 yards. I think he will eclipse that mark this year. I think about the explosion of the Cowboys offense. This is the most explosive offense Dak Prescott would have had, if not 2016. But even in 2016, I don't see the Cowboys having what they have now. Mm. Burner and a touchdown machine in CeeDee Lamb. Burner emphasis on that. A burner in Brandon Cooks. Brandon Cooks has had 6,000-yard seasons with several different quarterbacks. A touchdown machine can home run threat at running back. Haven't had a home run threat at running back since 2018. After that, Zeke really started to have that tread on his leg. So Dak has a burner at the X, a burner at the Z, or in the slot, and he has a burner at running back. But most importantly, 2020, Dak got hurt. Broken leg. 2021 was recovering from the broken leg. Thus, I believe, based upon kinetics and kinesiology, he strained his calf. So he was dealing with that. 2022, Dak had a thumb. When was the last time Dak had an offseason that was clean? Mm. Like this offseason, in my mind, is going to be a clean one. 2020, he's rehabbing. 2021, he's rehabbing. 2022 was relatively clean, but he was rehabbing that 2021 calf strain. Now he's going in waist down healthy. Cardio up, legs, mobility, torque, everything that has to do with the mechanics of throwing the football that doesn't have to do with the shoulder and arm, it should be intact and in place. I think Dak Prescott has the best season of his career, plus Mike McCarthy calling plays. You would think it's an addition. Not sure yet. Shady, what do you think? Expect an improved Dak. That sounded sounded good. You said that very well. No, you did. True. I'm being serious. Um, I'm going to say no. I expect Dak to be who he is. And, and, all, and all these things you talked about, all these different positions, right? And you're right. They did do some great uh, additions. They brought in some good players. Every time I'm out in public and people recognize me, you know, they talk about football, then they talk about the show. Mm-hmm. And they say, oh, you heard on the, on the Cowboys. And the first question I ask them. What's that? I say, what's the one position you have to pick? The one position that the Cowboys 
do not go to the Super Bowl or they're not successful. You know what position they say it is? The quarterback. Hmm. The quarterback. So all that stuff you're talking about, the burner this, the burner that, this and that, third, that don't matter. It's the quarterback. And then I look at this year, right? They just lost Kellen Moore. He's a, a hell of a yes, he offensive is. coordinator. Mm-hmm. And then you ask Mike McCarthy to, to, to call plays. Like, oh, that's, just, that's like better. Like we're doing better by now him calling plays. When the whole time Kellen Moore was a, a great coordinator. Mm. So, I, I, yes, I do see the Cowboys having better pieces. But what's the pieces matter when the main piece is the issue? Yeah. And then to help the main piece. The bar. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. You said, what's the pieces matter when they ain't got the main piece? Come on, Shady. You got it. I should have stopped right there. You tagged me. Make sure you cut that. That's Instagram, Twitter, all that. All that. So, but on a serious note, it's like, I get it. And I do, I think the Cowboys will have a good year because they always do. I think they have the talent, right, around Dak. But he's the main piece. You know, they got better on defense, got better on offense, but he's the main piece. That's hard to follow, Slick. I'm not going to lie. It's hard yeah, to follow. I know. Hey, Slick. Well, maybe I just... Good luck. Just, <laughs> I, good luck, brother. Shade, I might just have to agree with you. <laughs> no, I, I see him being marginally better because he's another year past that ankle injury. To your point, he's going to be healthier. I think Brandon Cooks does help. Yes, he does. This is what I struggle with, and it gets to the heart of, of, of what Shady was talking about with Kellen Moore. I believe that they're making the move to Mike McCarthy because they're going to make things easier for Dak Prescott. That something about the game plans that Kellen Moore was presenting, Dak wasn't comfortable with. But it comes down to the decision-making. If the the schemes were bad, then I would say, okay, you need to change up because you're not making this work. But it's the Mm decision-making, it's the choices that he he made within that offense that broke down. So... You can make it easier and you can make him more comfortable, but is that going to collectively make you better? Mm. Like, he could be more efficient, but it doesn't get the Cowboys any closer to where they want to go. And that's where I think he'll be marginally better because I think he'll be marginally more efficient than he was. But do I think that Dak Prescott is going to take some leap or step and be better? I mean, how long has he been there? Like, how long have we seen him? Are we... When, have, when was the last time we saw a quarterback make some massive transformation at this point in their career? Great point. Deep right field Baseball is back, and so is Flipping Bats. Five times a week, Monday through Friday. So follow us on the Fox Sports app, YouTube, and anywhere you get your podcast. Okay, let's get back to the NFL. The breaking news of this offseason is all about Aaron Rodgers. Now, Shady's a little disappointed. He's only pulling 25 pounds on that sled, and we're not exactly sure what he's doing right there. Activating his core, many might say. But we're expecting significantly more from him this coming season. Head coach Robert Salas said, quote, there's been some wow moments. I'm sure there will be a lot more. Bring us on camera, Shady. I need your instant reaction to him pulling the 25-pound sled. But he's there. He's, Girl, he's there, that and I respect that. That counts. Some guys are so good to show up, bro. I know you're going to do 25 pounds. I know you're going to – I don't even know if that's even called. What's, what's, what's the point of that? What's the point of that? The thing is, I what's guess – It's supposed to be an explosion. He oh, injured his calf. I did it. Hey. He injured his calf, and I think they're like, you okay. know what? Test the calf out. Yeah. No, how, the, how, the cameras are out. How old is he? Yeah. 39 in December, I believe. 
Yeah. Yeah, he's about to turn 39. That's about what I'm doing at 39. I've seen a 40-year-old man working harder than that. I will that say, those are, those are really good uh, uh, quad activation exercises. I do that. I did that this morning in Pilates. It's very good. Yeah. You know? That's a little the, only, the only difference work, is right? you're preparing for a show. And he's preparing for like a season, so I don't know if I want. Yeah, you I'm all trying doing to fit in this same. dress. Just enjoy his workout this morning. <laughs> no, I just Jared yeah, Rogers enjoys shit. Because it's not. It was not meant. Okay. My workout this morning was was a, a, a tone down from my hard workout yesterday. So uh, we probably shouldn't okay. be doing the same thing. Okay. Yeah, 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 and that was at like 15 percent on that run. Correct. Right Correct. And here's the other thing, Shady. I love if you're, if you're gonna do glute bridges, doing like I'm gonna do any of this. If you're doing glute bridges, you really got a bridge. You know what I'm saying? Two right, five. Right. Like, and, and also I would want to well, see both. Ball and really like these are the warm ups. All right, put the sled. You, know, you, you get warm up, get ready to run. Don't have me out here defending Aaron Rodgers every day. You can jog with the sled. Like, the, what's the point of that? I could do that what right now. Really, the right. point of that? And why put weight on it, Joy? I can do that right now. Well, listen, like, I'm not doing. How much money they got from me? I do that right now. Right now. And, right do, now. and do a great job. And at do it. a better job, probably than the job we're witnessing. I couldn't run to the end of our fake field here. If you took the heels off, you could. Listen, uh, you, you're not going to have me on Aaron Rodgers' side every single day. What is this? What's the block? What, what <laughs> you're getting crazy. Where, where are we going? Where are we going with this? Here's where we're going. Robert Sala, the head coach of the New York Jets, he said that Aaron Rodgers has showed us a lot of wow moments. Wow moments. Mm. Now, that's great news given the fact that Aaron Rodgers last year didn't throw for 300 yards in the game once. Okay. For you all at home, 37 quarterbacks did what Aaron Rodgers last year did not do one time in throwing for 300 yards. Joy, a lot of pressure is on Aaron Rodgers because a lot of hype is there on Aaron Rodgers, but will Aaron Rodgers live up to the hype? I think he will. I'm defining hype as winning a playoff game. Yeah. I think that the, I think he will improve the Jets enough to be capable of winning a playoff game. I think making to the play, making it to the playoffs and losing in the first round is going to feel disappointing based off of the fact that this has been the number one story for the mm. past, like, four years. Yep. So I, I do think winning a playoff game. I am hesitant to put too much pressure on anybody in the AFC, and I, I'm, I'm trying to figure out where I'm going to land on this over the next couple years because, again, I want to hold the greats to the standard of being great. Of course. But there is just so much talent in the AFC. It's just not comparable to the NFC. You have Mahomes, Allen, Burrow, Lamar Jackson, uh, Trevor Lawrence, what? Tua, yeah. Herbert. Russell Wilson. Let me stop. <laughs> maybe. Maybe. Like if yeah, Russ. Is, right, if Russ right, yeah. Imagine if Russ gets back to being Russ. Yeah, yeah. Imagine if he gets back to being Russ. That's true. Like, yeah. we, can go, we can go down the line. We're forgetting people. So it's, there's only two teams making it to the AFC Championship game. Okay. If they make it to the AFC Championship game, I think the more that I've thought about it, that's a raging success. But the thing is, obviously, I would agree with that. But I would agree with that because what makes greats great is that they're great. Yeah. It sounds stupid, but when you really think about it, like, what made Michael Jordan Michael Jordan is that when it came time to the early 90s and he had to beat Magic, he beat Magic. Mm-hmm. If Jordan doesn't ever beat Magic, then we don't look at Jordan in the same light that we look at Jordan. Right, but right. eventually, he had to beat Magic. Like, eventually, LeBron James became LeBron James in all of his glory because he came back from down 3-1 and did what nobody else thought he was able to doing. So, Roger Shady, I do believe he will live up to the hype because he is great. But living up yep. to the hype to me is you have to beat Burrow. You have to beat Lamar. You have to beat Allen. If you are going to Ooh. be great, then be great. I, I think he'll live up to the hype. Right, and I, if I told you that a quarterback's gonna come to a, a losing organization, right, for the last twelve to thirteen years, they haven't been to the playoffs. They have the longest playoff drought in all of sports. Yes, and I tell you, he's gonna take this team to the playoffs. That ain't great. Not for they, Aaron Rodgers. 
So uh, wherever, any other quarterback, for, any other quarterback, quarterback I might agree with you. Listen, I just think that right now Aaron Rodgers is there. He's bringing the morale of the team so high, right? They've been seeing freaking – uh, dirt balls, curve balls yeah. from Zach Wilson everywhere, right? The, the equipment manager ducking high when, he, when he's at quarterback. Compared to now, Aaron Rodgers is there. The first man said is, wow, he's been wowing everybody since he's got there. Mm-hmm. They haven't seen no balls like Aaron Rodgers. So you're telling me he's taking this type of team. And no mandatory I've been, I've been feeling, and I won't even disrespect the Jets organization because mm-hmm. I have a lot of friends and et cetera. But since I've been in the league, we've never thought super high about the Jets. At all. We didn't mind playing the Jets. If it was at home or away, it was we could. Up. Now the Jets are a team that people were talking about. And if you could take this team to the playoffs, they haven't been there in so long, I think that to me that's great and that's a successful season. I just, I, I think, Shady, the way you're looking at it is fair, but I don't know that New York is looking at it that way. I don't think Jets fans are looking at it as, you know, he's going to get us to the playoffs, and if, they get, if we get to the playoffs and we haven't been there forever, we're good with that. I think they're looking at it. We got a four-time Hall of Famer coming in Four to play time. quarterback, MVP. right? Mm-hmm. Uh, MVP or uh, MVP uh, winner, and we're going to do more than that. I mean, that's what our conversation has been for the last yeah. month or so since he got there, which True. is, can they win a Super Bowl with Aaron Rodgers? So that that's the hype, and if they just make the playoffs. And I would dare say, you brought it up in the pre-show meeting about like what their record would be. Mm-hmm. And I thought about that because if they are, if they are like 11 and 6 or 12 and 5, the hype and the expectation is only we'll go going to grow as a result of that. If they just That's sneak into the playoffs, then we're going to be a little bit disappointed, but it's going to be okay, we'll see. what. But if, if they have a good record, then we're going, then the hype's going to be really big. And... As Joy has pointed out, uh, maybe once or twice, like Aaron has not delivered in the postseason wow. on a consistent basis. That's, that's facts. That's some facts. Right? right and yeah. so if, if he doesn't do that, then I would say he's not living up to the hype. That is fair. Well, speaking of hype, you could also say there is no player under more pressure this year than Chicago Bears quarterback Justin Fields. The room for him has been made perfectly. He now has DJ Moore at wide receiver. They gave him the help he needed also at running back. Offensive line, they're still building it. Can Jalen, Justin Fields, make a Jalen Hurts type jump next year? That's next. Okay, maybe the most fascinating player to watch this year in football is Justin Fields. The Bears are all in on him. They have the number one pick in this year's draft. Could have replaced him. They chose not to. His cornerback, his teammate at cornerback, Jalen Johnson, said, quote, I expect him to shine. Close quote. Now, Fields is entering his third season. For a comparison, Jalen Hurts just finished his third season and finished second in MVP voting. The reason we bring up Jalen Hurts, I bring up Jalen Hurts. Shady, I expect Justin Fields to make a Jalen Hurts-type jump this coming season. Mm -hmm. When you talk exclusively, not about work ethic, not about the mind, just physical talent, Justin Fields is a more physically talented quarterback than Jalen Hurts. We know that by looking no further than where they were drafted. So after you assess that, now I'm like, okay, Justin Fields, do you have the help and do you have what it takes up here? I trust Justin Fields has what it takes cerebrally. Now the question, does he have the help? Chase Claypool is going to be there. He's reoccurring. You have DJ Moore coming from Carolina. You know what he's capable of. At running back, they've helped bolster that position group. 
So when I think about Justin Fields going now into his third season, most pivotal season truly of his career, you got about $180 million on the line. Just ask Jalen Hurts. When I think about Justin Fields entering the season, Shady, I think he is capable of making a Jalen Hurts-type jump. I don't think the Bears will do as well as the Eagles. I don't see them going to a Super Bowl. But I do see Justin Fields having 4,000-plus total yards, 35 total touchdowns. I do see him having the same aggregate stats individually that Jalen Hurts had. I think he can make the jump. Mm. You know both those quarterbacks. You know both those organizations. Mm. What do you think? <sighs> it's a tough one because you, you talk about one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL compared to one that hasn't shown that he's one of the best players in the NFL. Mm. So it's hard to compare him. I, I'm going to say no. You know, I, I, I'm going to say because the Jalen Hurts jump is like, oh, my God. It's like Michael Jordan in the 80s jumping. <laughs> it's a big jump. <laughs> I mean, you're talking about a guy that was second, that, that was second team All-Pro, hard to do. Yeah. Took his team to the Super Bowl, hard to do. I mean, if he don't get hurt, he's the MVP of the league. That's what we're talking about right now. That's what we know. Mm-hmm. We're talking about Jalen Hurts is almost won the MVP. We're talking about that guy? Yes, Listen, let, let's slow it down for a second. Okay. Right? Fields, you had a tough year last year. You saw some flashes. You ran the ball pretty well. Wasn't as accurate as we might want to pass the ball. Let's just slowly do this thing. Hey, look. The division's not as tough this year. Let's make some small adjustments, right, and get better and better each day before we talk about Jalen Hurts. Can we do that? Mm -hmm. Because I'm trying to be positive today. The the year just started, so I'm going to say that. Fields win every day, right? I don't want you to go out there and try to be Jalen Hurts. Don't try to do that. That's going to be hard to do. Every day, take steps. (laughs) Is that the positive, Shady? That was very nice. That was very positive. That was very well. I'm proud of you for that. Because if he don't do that... And he looks like he did last year, throwing him up for 60 yards a game. Uh, Can I call him ass then? Yeah. Because I will. Yeah. So I'm going to be positive be today. Be positive. And let my whole, my, my crew take over. Yes, sir. But if he continues to look like he did last year, only running it, and not throwing it, mm-hmm. with all these brick parts he got, I'm going to let him have it. Stuart, Shawley, St- Stuart Smalley, Shady McCoy. I'm signing that off. Probably, uh, probably dating myself with that reference. Um, he was up with people. I... No, I don't expect it. I, 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 one, because of the jump. But two, because are the Bears, do we consider the Bears, and I think you said it off the top, are the Bears anywhere close to what the Eagles are? Roster-wise, no, sir. And what concerns me, I hear you on the physical ability, but what concerns me is the decision-making of Justin Fields. His getting sacked 55 times wasn't just because their offensive line was Talk to slick. Talk suspect, to right? But because of his decisions or... Decisions not to, not, not to get rid of the ball. Um, and so what I've seen is when you are a player of Fields' uh, ability, particularly with uh, where he is contract-wise, and you're not with as good a team, you're going to take more risks. Mm-hmm. You're going to push the envelope. Jalen Hurts didn't have to do that, right? He could play a little more conservatively because of the team that he had around him. And as a result... Statistically, those numbers jumped. And I mean, we're talking about a hell of a jump. 87 yeah, I mean, passer rating to 101.5, uh, 16 and 9 at TD interception to 22 and 7. Like, thinking that Justin Fields can make that kind of jump with these Chicago Bears. The only thing is that this division is, is, I mean, I don't think he's going to make a Jalen Hurts jump. That's, that's too big to say. I, I, I love Jalen Hurts. It's too big of a jump. I'm, I'm with Shady. I do think he will get better this year, though. Mm. Like, we don't have to go all the way to Jalen Hurts, who had an unbelievable season, MVP level, went, played in the Super Bowl, all pro. That's too much. 
And we shouldn't expect that anyway from really any player. It's remarkable what he was able to do. But they did put some pieces in. They, they brought in DJ Moore. They brought in Deontay Freeman. They brought in Robert Tunyon. He's got another year, another offseason to develop. He knows what he needs to develop at. They backed him. They could have drafted a quarterback. They didn't and invested in him. And that division's open. You've got Goff, Love, Cousins, and Fields in that division. The NFC is as wide open as it can possibly be. If he can take even, even half the step than Jalen Hurts did, they'll be a, a significantly better team. Okay, real quick. Okay, for next time, right, just talk to me. I know you do all the questions. And we, I would have said this. Let's start with, like, Jared Goff. Let's start with that jump. Yeah. Let's start with, like, Kirk Cousins' jump. <laughs> Not Jalen Hurts' jump. Please. <laughs> I like, like, like Kobe Bryant, Michael Jordan, Vince Carter, all in one. That's a big <laughs> jump. Let's start with a, a smaller jump. Please. I've never heard Shady make such a polite request. <laughs> <in my life. laughs> I'm excited to watch Justin Fields this year, though. Yeah. Let's talk a little NFL. Everybody wants to talk about the quarterbacks, but the hidden gem to Super Bowls, the hidden gem to winning is actually what happens at the wide receiver group. Think about it historically. That team that has two great wide receivers, whether Odell Beckham, Cooper Cup, whether Travis Kelsey, Tyree Kill back in the day, those teams that have those two dudes that can catch the ball, yeah, those are the teams that win. So we're going to talk you through the top five receiving duos in the National Football League. At number five, this one was the toughest one for me. DK Metcalf, Tyler Lockett of the Seattle Seahawks. DK Metcalf, he's that big body receiver, 6'3", 235 pounds, runs a 4'4". Tyler Lockett is the burner on the back end. He helps get things done. At number four, it's a new one, CeeDee Lamb. Brandon Cooks. We know how good CeeDee Lamb is. All pro. That's very hard to do. But Brandon Cooks, I will continue to remind you all, he's had six 1,000-yard receiving seasons, and he's had three different quarterbacks over the course of it. So Brandon Cooks helps aid CeeDee Lamb. They're at number four in the top five receiving duos. At number three, A.J. Brown, Devontae Smith. A.J. Brown, you know what he is, an absolute beast. Last year, all-pro wide receiver. Devontae Smith, he won the Heisman in college as a wide receiver. Bonafide beast out there, former first-round pick. At number two, Jamar Chase and T. Higgins. Now, those dudes are both bad dudes. Six-four wide receivers, six-three wide receivers, and what they can do with the ball after they catch it, it's what separates them. But that's what separates my number one. Jalen Waddle, Tyree Kill, because when you talk about yak yards, beast, 1,300 yards for Jalen Waddle, even more for Tyree Kill. They are the best wide receiving duo in all of the National Football League. But I got to head to the desk and see if there is anybody that I missed. Shady, you played with some mm. great duos. Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, Mike Evans, Antonio Brown, whoever you want to say. Deshaun Jackson, Jeremy Macklin, you know what it takes to watch and play with a great receiving duo. Who has the best wide receiving duo? I want to go with the Philadelphia Eagles, but then I thought about it. That, that's a great tandem. I got to go with Dolphins, right? Waddle and, and Tyreek Hill, like them guys together. All that speed is so hard to cover. And not, not only just the speed part, but they got, like, true number one talent on both sides, mm-hmm. right? Jalen Wild could be a number one on, on a lot of different teams. Then you add in Ty- Tyreek Hill. Tyreek Hill hasn't had a bad year in the last, what, seven, eight years? Mm. He's productive all the time. There was a period of time where I thought the tool was just regular quarterback. He won't last long, yeah. right? That's how it was going. It was okay. His team kept trying to replace him. And then Tyreek Hill comes to the picture, mm-hmm. right? And you see the difference. Him and Wild together. 1,300 yards and then 1,700 yards on offense? When you do that with the wide receivers, you can get anything you want. You can run the ball, you can play action, you get the tight ends over the top. Whatever you want to do, you can do. You got wide receivers like that. So 
My Tatum, I had to go with them too. All of these receiving duos are really good. You could argue they're all elite. What to you is a separating factor between Hill and Waddle and say Jamar Chase and T or Hill and Waddle and Devontae Smith and A.J. Brown? They are all elite, but what is that small gap for you? I just think it's, it's, it's the number one wide receivers on both sides, right? You look to the left, you got Hill. You look to the right, you got Waddle. Then I look at the things you could do with them. Everybody talks about the speed. They're doing more than that, though. They're doing underneath routes that you're throwing for 10 yards that's going 85 for a touchdown. They're throwing over-the-top deep routes. They're doing screens. They're doing handoffs. They can do everything in this offense. And I just think that when I watch them play, they scare you. Where, where, where other teams, mm-hmm. the number one's going to really scare you, right? Mm-hmm. And, the, and, the, and the number, number two. two is just really good. We've got to watch them. Where both of these guys, they scare you. Absolutely. Absolutely. Slick, where do you land on this <laughs> one? Top receiving duos. You watch a lot of Bengals ball, but you watch a lot of NFL ball. Yeah, man. I, look, I, I wrestled with this so much because hey. if you look at the top three that you put up there, they really are different in a lot of ways. And uh, and, but my biggest wrestle was with the Philadelphia Eagles combo and the Bengals combo. And I will admit, like, I didn't want to go with the Bengals because I don't want to look like a homer. homer. But also because I don't know how much to weigh Joe Burrow's ability into how good they are and his relationship with Jamar Chase. Not to take anything away from those guys as receivers. But the reason that I ultimately went with the Eagles over those two is because the number one thing for me with with receivers is I want to know that if you're open and I throw you the ball, you're going to catch it. And for Waddle and Hill, there's just, there's too many drops. I get you in terms of, of how scary they are and how they open up everything else for everybody else. But the precision of the routes and your ability to catch the ball along with that speed and maybe the size too. Yep. That matters. Right. That, 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 you have, Brown and, yep. you have A.J. Brown, you have T. Higgins, you have that element. And if we're talking about a duo and what they present as a combo, uh, I'm going to go with the Eagles first, and I would probably go with the Bengals second, and I would go with the Dolphins third. Fair. Joy, where you stand? <laughs> She's waddling. No, we like stats around here, Shady. I mean, Hill and Waddle have the most receiving yards of any wide receiver duo in 2022. They had almost 400 more yards than the closest tandem, which was A.J. Brown and Devontae Smith. And they did that with four regular season games and one playoff game without Tua. That's crazy. That's, that's really, really crazy. There are some stats that we throw out there that like, don't really have a lot of meat to them. That one does to me, because we're talking about this duo kind of isolated from who's throwing to them, right? Like, we're not really measuring. All these guys obviously have decent quarterbacks because someone has to get the ball to them. But they would do this with pretty much any quarterback. And that speaks to them. And that's nothing against Tua. It's just that they had these numbers and Tua was injured. So that shows you how elite they are. They're, and I think sometimes when it comes to Tyreek, you, you want, like, the big – go up and grab it. You want the, the long receiver. Like, he just does all of that, and he doesn't need to be that size. I mean, he's just, it's just elite that you can't duplicate. Shady, when I was looking at this list, I, I said to myself, they all have maybe top 10 quarterbacks. Now I was wondering, is it the receiver in your mind that's making the quarterback, or do you think it's the quarterback that's making the receiver? Because I don't mm. think it's coincidence. Right? You think about Joe Burrow. He's there with Jamar Chase and with T. Higgins. You think about Tua Tungabailoa there with Waddle, et cetera. 
Is it the receivers helping the quarterbacks more or the quarterbacks helping the receivers? I think they're helping each other out. I mean, for me to say that, you know, uh, Burrow is making Jamar Chase. You know, that's, that's crazy, right? I think it's a mixture of both of them. I, I think it's only one real quarterback I, I feel like that can play with just anybody, and that's Patrick Mahomes. Yeah. He's in the category of himself. Because um, I don't know how great Joe Burrow will be without Jamar right. Chase. I haven't I, seen it. College right? or pro. And, and you know what? I don't want to find that out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I love when I watch the, sure. the Bengals and I watch uh, Joe Burrow throwing bombs to Jamar Chase. I love to see that. And I don't want to even break that down to see what would Jamar will be they without him and without – Yeah, I don't even want to see that. Yeah. Fair. Well, are you talking about your list or our list? Uh, who's in your top five then? I was talking about – No, was, I'm talking about like as far as quarterbacks go because CeeDee Lamb and Cooks are at four. Yep, they got Dak. He's a top ten quarterback. Oh. Hmm. And uh, Metcalf and Lockett. Geno Smith coming off a of Pro Bowl season. I would have said that's why the top question 10, to me is so fast. Coming off that Pro Bowl season, now that we have to kick guys like Kyler Murray out of the top 10, you got to kick guys like Russell Wilson out of the top 10. Mm-hmm. I think. I need to do some counting first. But <laughs> I, no, I do think, it's, I mean, it's a dependent position. Somebody has to get you the ball. And it obviously makes your life harder if you're not playing with a top quarterback. I mean, this mm-hmm. is D Hop is out there right now. We're going to get to see what he's like with a different quarterback than he was with over, over the past season. And it could look different. Like, you could be so skilled that the quarterback is holding you back, and we can see that. But. Yeah, I'm going to have to do some counting before we... No, you, it, it's, uh, it's just you know, fascinating because like, I'm like... Analysts. Well, it's fascinating coming into the season. I'm looking at the Chargers and what they have. Yeah. I'm looking at the fact that we, the, arguably the top two uh, wide receivers in the game are not listed in our duos with Justin Jefferson mm-hmm. and Devontae Adams. And if just one guy comes along with one of those guys... And, Devon Diggs. And, and, the, and the, to, to be uh, totally uh, transparent, like... You're right. There is probably something about Tyreek Hill looking so different than your classic wide receiver and what they look like because his speed and his size, it's just he looks so different. That's where it's hard for me with I think Waddle and, 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 and Hill are very similar and they look the same to me and they look different than what I think of when I think of a classic all-time wide receiver. See, and that's, I think that's the, the issue with like the tra- traditional wide receiver or player. Hmm. Like, Antonio Brown, we used to always argue this all the time. And people would say, oh, I'm taking Julio, no doubt. And I'm thinking, like, well, Julio's a great player. Like, yes, you know, if you take A.B. or take Julio, it's, it's great picks. But, but, but why are you going with Julio? And, I, and, and you would think it would be like, oh, he's fast and he, he got his routes or his stats. They go to his straight to his size. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And I'm like, you, you go into his size, but if you look at Antonio Brown, like, he's smaller. He's just as productive or even more. Yeah. You get what I'm saying? Yep. So I just feel like when we watch yep. these players, yep. no matter if it's even wide receiver, position it is, mm-hmm. it's like it, we in the back of our mind we go to the traditional style. Correct. Same thing with the quarterbacks of, of the scramblers compared mm-hmm. to guys in the pocket. Great point. You know what I'm saying? Great point. It is fascinating. And talking to a head coach currently, it's all about who do you prefer to defend. Right. Like some people prefer right. to defend Tyreek Hill because you know exactly where he lines up. You know what route he's going to run. Mm-hmm. Some people would rather not defend Jamar Chase because it doesn't matter where he lines up. He can give you a go. He can give you a post. Mm-hmm. All these receivers will have productive seasons and you can count on their teams doing so as well. Let the good times roll to the NBA, please. Game three, NBA Finals. Jokic, 30, 20, 10. First 30, 20, and 10. Triple double we have seen in finals history. But Jimmy Butler, he went out there and did his thing two 28 points of his own. However, it wasn't enough. Take a listen to Jimmy Butler's post-game reaction to the loss. We feel great. We didn't play our best tonight. Uh, I feel like we just got to come out with more 
energy and effort, and um, that's correctable. That's on us as a as a group. No X's and O's can fix that. So you know, come out, dive on the floor, get loose balls, get defensive rebounds, and um, maybe just maybe it would have been a different game. I'm frustrated. I'm frustrated. Hmm. Um, hmm. I'm frustrated. You frustrated? Shady, let me vent to you for a moment. I'm so sick and tired of hearing energy and effort, energy and effort. It's the NBA Finals. It's game three of the NBA Finals. You shouldn't have to be told nor reminded to play with energy and effort. I don't think energy and effort cost to heat the game. See, when you say energy and effort, that's a psychological principle known as self-handicapping. Shady, I learned about it studying for my master's degree. Self-handicapping. It's when you don't study for a test so that when you fail the test, you say, oh, I failed because I didn't study. That way, you assume had you studied, you would have passed. Not that you weren't intelligent enough to pass, but you failed because you didn't study. See, you protect your self-esteem. When you say we lost because we didn't give enough effort, Mm -hmm. that's still within your control. You didn't lose because the Joker gave you 30, 20, and 10. You didn't lose because Jamal Murray gave you 10 and 30, 10 and 10. You lost because we didn't play with enough energy and effort. So assuming you fix your energy and effort, you will win. I don't think that's the case. I'm watching the game. It was the 8:01 minute mark, first quarter. Heat missed a three. Max Truce comes cutting in. All the energy and effort in the world. Gets the rebound. He kicks it to the corner, and then they make the three. I believe this is a play right here. I think that's Truce right there. He runs for the, for the board. They get a second chance on it early in the game. They kick it one time. I think it goes to the corner. I haven't seen it now in 12 hours. Vincent right there and bam three. That is energy and that is effort. That's not why you lost the game. You lost the game because Denver got some dogs over there. So stop talking to me about energy and effort in my mind. But Shady, who do you blame? What do you blame for the game three loss? I mean, only with the school for two years at Pittsburgh, so I don't have no matches and all that. But I think they're right. I think Jimmy's right. And by the way, that outfit was nice. It was. That was like the old Willie Beeman outfit, <laughs> Deion Sanders type. So, so you showed the first quarter. Yes, sir. We all got energy in the first quarter. <laughs> I'm running, you run, everybody's running. <laughs> but when you got a, a seven-footer, I don't want to call him 300 pounds, but he looked 300 pounds, and he's banging you in, pause the whole time down yep. in the post, you're going to get tired. Yep. And when you get tired, you get fatigued. Fair. And when you get fatigued, you might not run to the corner. Fair. You see Fair. what I'm saying? Fair. So I, when I look at this game, it was a, it was a, it was a group effort. For, for the Heat, they got to do better, mm-hmm. right? Like, they got killed in the paint. Killed in the paint for rebounds and scoring. And then when, when, I, when he talks about the effort, it's, it's, it's a collective thing. We all got to get in here and box out. We all got to get in here and stop this pick-and-roll action. It's too many times I've seen Jokic miss a shot, get the rebound, put it back up. Somehow, uh, Murray shoots the shot, misses it, Aaron Gordon gets put, put back. Mm-hmm. Like, so when he talks about the effort part, and when we look at the Heat, that's what we know them for. Having effort, being tough, having shown that grit, that toughness. I didn't see it last night. But, Shady, let me, let me, let me go back with you for okay, a second. Well, let's, let's go back. Thank I got time today. We do the show. We're teammates here, but we were teammates a decade ago, 2013 Philadelphia Eagles. I had to live and embody this quote, Joy. Hard work beats talent when talent doesn't work hard. That's true. Because in the National Football League, I was not the most talented player, but I would work my butt off. If Shady didn't work that hard in a day in practice, you better believe I was going to get him. But in the event that talent decided to work hard, it didn't matter what hard work did. (laughs) Hard work beats talent when talent doesn't work hard. Great quote, parents keep telling your kids that. But what they omit is, what in the world happens when talent does work hard? When talent works hard, to me, 
you're hard-pressed to win. You say that the Nuggets out-rebounded the Heat, but in the regular season, points in the paint, Nuggets were fourth, Heath were 27. Mm-hmm. You talk about Aaron Gordon. Aaron Gordon is a slam-dunk runner-up at 6'9". Of yeah. course he can get up. Yeah. You talk about Jokic. Jokic is 6'11", 7 feet. Bam Adebayo, 6'9". Yeah. Kevin Love is old. Jimmy Butler, 6'7". Of course Jokic is going to get boards. Mm-hmm. So how much of it, in your mind, is effort versus just, you know what, the predominant players that the Heat put on the court aren't as tall or as young. Well, well, I mean, and I think it's a little bit of both, right? Because you say all that, I mean, they did lose game two. Mm-hmm. That did happen. That's Sorry. real, right? Them same players. Mm-hmm. I think, and, and another part to say you're right is, I do think the Nuggets are just better, just better players, right? Because when the Heat didn't have open shots and, 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 they, and they weren't out hustling the, the Nuggets and it was a fair game, the Nuggets got the better part of them. You, you talked about the talent part. Like, okay, you got Jimmy, you got Bam, then who? Mm-hmm. Because even though we want these role players to be, I don't know, like playing really, really well like they have been, but what happens when the other team is more athletic, more talented, and they playing defense? Mm. So that's what I talk about, like the better team. And I think that the Nuggets having a much better team, and they playing hard, the Heat had no chance. Now, I mean, I was, when I talk about the effort going to, to game, what, four? Yeah. We'll see a difference. Maybe it's more effort. Maybe they're, they're, they're finding a way to defend that pick-and-roll action with Jokic and Murray, but we'll see. Joy, a lot went right for the Nuggets. A lot, historically right for the Nuggets. Yeah. Like, like yeah. literally historically. They had a historical performance from their two best players. But who do you blame for the Heat's loss? Uh, I mean, I blame Jokic. I would blame the Heat's effort. Uh, Jimmy Butler is not going to go up to the postgame and say they are better players than us. Of course. Mm. Right, right. There's nothing else he he can say except mm. for they didn't play well and they needed more effort, which yeah. is exactly what he said. He's not going to go up there and say, you know what, it's really amazing that we're even here and we even got that win because they're so much better than us. Mm. They're so much more talented than us. That's not what he's going to say. That's why I don't put too much emphasis on p- these interviews. Like, sometimes right. you can get something interesting, but in general, you're going to get coach speak, you're going to get player speak, and that's what it is. What went wrong for the Heat, outside of Jokic obviously having a historic night, which he did, and Jamal Murray going off and just, man, there's nothing really in basketball right, right now, and I don't want to be too hyperbolic, than a Jamal Murray dagger is like crazy. Like there's a sound to when he shoots the ball and it just goes that, that, that straight line into the basket. Yeah was incredible to watch. But for me, what went wrong for the Heat outside of, yes, them being a little tired and the effort and go, going after those rebounds that they could get that Jokic did not already pick off of the sky, was the shooting. And it's what happened in game one. And I think you saw it again. Bam and Jimmy had good nights, but Gabe Vincent did not have a good night. He had seven points. Max Schuess did not have a good night. He had three points. Duncan Robinson had nine points, but two of those three-pointers were in garbage time when it wasn't really necessary. Mm -hmm. That's the difference. Those guys have to contribute their part. They don't have to be superstars. They don't have to be Jokic, but they do need, you do need nine points from Duncan Robinson when it matters. You do need Max Struess to score his 10 points. You do need Gabe Vincent to score his 14 points. You need that. And if you look at the game, had they scored like that, we might be having, it probably would be having a different conversation right now, even with the Jokic and Jamal Murray contributions. Because look at the rest of the, of the Nuggets. Aaron Gordon had a nice night, 11 points. He was very impactful. Michael Porter Jr. Can't find him. Can't find him. Christian, Christian Brown stepped in. Christian Brown, the rookie, mm-hmm. stepped in. Mm-hmm. You got six points from KCP. 
go down the list. It wasn't a great night for everyone last right. night. It was a historic night for Jokic, a great night for Jamal Murray, and Christian Brown stepped up while the Heat players who you needed contributions from did not Let contribute. me ask you this then, Joy, because then technically not what I'm hearing because you're, you're saying what you're saying. How I'm interpreting it is the two best players for both teams played well. Well, I mean, the two best, the, the best player on the court, Jokic, had a historic night. Had a historic night. Um, a historic night, obviously, for Jokic. I don't think Bam yes. is capable of having a night like that. But Bam get, played really well. He did, he did. Play well. Played really well. KCP, Bruce Brown, MPJ, uh, none of those guys played all that well. Mm. What I'm wondering from your perspective is, what are you more likely to see? In the sense that the only game the Heat have won this series, we've only played three, so everybody calm down. But the only game the Heat have won, they shot 48% from three. 48%. In the playoffs, they shoot 39. In the regular season, they shoot 34. When they lost game one, they shot 33. I think last night they shot 31. So what do you think is more nearly to happen, a game two performance or a game one and three performance? I think it's somewhere in between the game one and Game two performance. Hopefully it's not as bad as game one, but you can't count on being as great as game two. But at the end of the day, you don't need to do that. If, if you have performances from your best players who should play their best at this moment, which is essentially what's happening outside of game one, Jimmy played great, Bam played great, Jokic played great, Jamal Murray played great. What's everyone else going to do? That's when the rest of the roster has to step up. But you don't need all-time great performances from those guys. You just need them to shoot their average. You just need them to shoot what they average in the postseason. So that is what I expect. And once again, we're in the finals, so they're capable of doing that, and that's what the expectation should be. So like, let's talk ball, you and I, for a second. Um, do you, where do you stand on the Heat role players? Like, if they were just to play their average, we're also to assume that the Nuggets players aren't going to play, the role players won't play their average. Yeah. Because MPJ didn't play his average, KCP didn't play his average, yeah, yeah. Bruce yeah. Brown didn't play his average. Yeah. So where do you stand? Like, can the Heat players, role players, get away with just playing average? Or do yeah. they kind of have to go above and beyond? <sighs> No, I don't think they have to go above and beyond, but I do think that there is a connection between... I look at what Jokic and Murray did, and, and, and Christian Brown, a lot of what he got was off of what... You, and Aaron Gordon yep. was off of what Jokic and Murray were doing. So they're going and they're scoring at a level with the pick and roll that forces Miami to focus on them. And now, if I just move and make myself available... I'm going to get looks if I'm a Denver Nugget role player. With Miami, their execution and the combination of Jimmy and Bam being so effective and aggressive that now Denver starts to pay more attention to them is going to open up those looks. But Denver is very uh, aggressive and uh, athletic, and they have the ability to defend too. Yes. So if they just make, those heat role players take contested shots as opposed to the wide open shots, they're going to live with that and the percentage is going to come down. And that's not what they did consistently in games one or games two. Game one, Miami hits all of the wide open shots and maybe that's a different story. What we saw in game three was, oh, whew, if Denver really comes and makes things challenging for Miami, do those role players have the ability to still mm -hmm. score mm -hmm. at a high level 
contested. So like one that's of the, the, that's a good point, real quick, because yes, sir. You was comparing them when she talked about the role players. I'm like, dang, Drew got a point. But then you came out with like, listen, the role players for the Nuggets ain't really played that good either, though. So if, if the Nuggets players play well, and then the role players from the Heat. the Heat play well, I still think the Nuggets should win because overall. They're a better team. Is that what the point you're trying to make? That, that is the point I'm making. Do we have the Eric Spolstra sound? Joy makes a great point. You can't always deduce things from sound. I was watching the game last night at the house. Eric Spolstra post game, he said something that was fascinating. Yes, if we got the sound, let's let's play it. So you have to expect there to be elite talent uh, in the in the finals, and both those guys are elite level talent. Uh, at our best version, we've find ways to overcome that. Oh, here's what was fascinating about that. And I was listening. I thought of you, Shady, Be instantly. Honest. And because that, that pause. Yeah, like, uh, that, he said we have elite level talent. They, they have elite level talent. Yeah. Usually the coach would say, you know, we got elite level talent, too. Right. It's kind of standard. Yeah. But he was like, Eric Spolster is brilliant. He's brilliant. We met him when, when we were in Philadelphia yep, with yep, our head yep. coach, Eric Spolster, to come to our team. He's brilliant. He's intelligent. He was like, they got elite level talent. And when we're at our best, we can overcome that. Mm-hmm. That's why, to me, yeah. there's a layer of, like, the heat, to me, got to be at their yeah, best. Absolutely. I don't know that it, they can just be who they are. Did you take anything from that sound? Do you not take anything from that sound? Joy Slick, where, where do y'all land on, on it? I mean, no, because we know who the Nuggets are. They're the number one team in the Western Conference. They are a great team. There's nothing to poke holes with in with this team. Yeah. That's what they are. We were seeing it. We've seen them be great. We've seen every player on this roster have the capability of being great, and things have to come together. But that's why we play the games. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You, have, yeah. you can have something absolutely gorgeous on paper, put it out there, and it doesn't yeah. work. Yeah. True. All so, the time happens like that. Uh, so it, 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 you have to play the games. And that's what Spolstra also knows, and that's what the entire Eastern Conference knows. Yeah. Because there were, of course, more talented teams that the Heat beat on their way here. Right. And the Heat played what in order to get here? Right. Great. Yeah, yeah. So if they are capable of playing great, then they're capable of winning the series. If they don't play great, they won't win the series. The Nuggets as a whole may not have to do that because they have the best player yeah. on the planet on the court. And that's the heart of it is that, and, and this is where it's difficult for Jimmy and, and Spo to talk at the podium about what they face and how they overcome a Denver Nuggets team that plays as hard as they do. Mm -hmm. Because that's always been their whole card, which is we're going to outwork you. Well, if you're playing a more talented team and they match your effort, Jimmy can say we need to find a way to play harder. But as Shady said earlier, like I didn't feel that there was a, a, a massive lack of energy or effort overall by Miami there were definitely some moments. There was there was okay. some, there yeah, some look, rebounds, there was some, some sloppiness but, that, that isn't normally there. But some of that was also created by how much force yeah, the Denver right. played with right. that we did not see in right. the first two games. Yeah. Yeah. And so now it hangs in the balance. Like, okay, we're both playing hard and we're going at it. And and now we got guys who can just get right. things a little bit easier. Yeah. To me, that's the difference. 